You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, how are you doing? All right, say hi to three people around you and sit down. Let's get into God's word. It's nice to see you. We are glad you came. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Let us get into God's word. like you to pay rapt attention today because I guess what I want to teach this morning is something every believer needs to hear every now and again in their walk with God. Every now and again in a believer's experience. Can you, can you take that down a bit? Every now and again, in a believer's experience, um, they ought to hear a message like this one. Hallelujah. And I want to talk about vital signs. Vital signs. It is very possible for the person sitting right next to you to be currently as fine and as beautiful as they look, be going through a medical, you know, issue. Is that correct? In fact, has it ever so happened that maybe you were going for an interview or you know someone that was going for an interview and then they said he was to do medicals He's about to get the job. They've granted you the job, but you have to do medical. So you, out of a sense of obligation, not because you feel anything going wrong, just out of a sense of obligation, you go to the doctors, right? And then the doctor, they take your vital signs and they send it to the doctor. And you go to the doctor to, you know, for the doctor to interpret the things that, the readings. And the doctor looks at your, or the person's readings and screams, and the person is like, I'm fine. The doctor says, no, you are not fine. Have you ever heard of stories like that? People that were seemingly okay, they looked fine. I mean, went to the hospital, their blood pressure was off the charts. Sugar level off the, off the charts. Or you feel certain symptoms in your body. You go to the hospital, I don't feel too good. And then the, the first thing the doctors will do is they will check certain things. They will check your weight, they will check your height, they will check your temperature, right? I mean, let, let's even leave the doctors out of this. If somebody says, oh, I'm having a headache and I feel weak, and it's been like that for a while, instinctively the first thing you do is take the back of your palm and put it to the person's neck to check the person's temperature to see if they have a fever. Is that correct? Because we know that there are telltale signs 
of trouble. It doesn't matter how wide the person's smile is. If you touch the person and the person's body is very hot, you won't immediately assume that, oh no, the person is hot because he's on fire for God. You would immediately think something is wrong with you and you need to see a doctor. Is that correct? Ah, yes. Because there are telltale signs of trouble. And this month, we are doing a teaching series on Christian devotion. And it, it really is a, a series that seeks to call us to a lifestyle that is devoted to God. But the thing is, many Christians don't even know what that normal lifestyle should look like. Some of us, in our natural bodies, are so used to certain pains and ailments that we don't know what it means to live life without it. Are you with me? Some people, uh, over the weekend, um, a couple of members of church and I, we, we, we were working a project. We are working on this stage. And so we are working the project. And we were around the workmen that were working the project. And I noticed, so welders, right? There's this torch they use. They use an electrode, and it produces this very bright spark. Now, if you do engineering, they will teach you that you shouldn't look at that spark directly with your eyes. But it feels like what they taught us in school was for our pockets. Because those people just directly into the thing, staring at it and enjoying a good time. And I remember the first time, uh, because when I did engineering in school, and there's something called SWEP, where every engineer has to do every department of engineering a practical from every department, you understand? So if you're a chemical engineer, you have to do a practical from electrical engineering and mechanical engineering, you know, from each department. Good. So I, I did, I, I think it was civil engineering, and they made us weld, do welding, right? So now, the story is very interesting. The short boy is interesting. We were a lot of people, the welding touches were not many, and you know, as it is with Nigerians, they were jumping the line, this person, they will quickly just put themselves and say, collect the welding touch, do their own so they can submit the practical. So at some point, I got incredibly upset, because it was my turn, and this group of people kept passing the touch amongst themselves. So this person will finish and say, don't forget, there's somebody that is behind me. And so I got upset and I snatched the touch. And against the teacher's instruction, I welded my own metals without using the glasses. And when I was done, when I was welding, they said, don't do that. Now, they said you should use glasses. I was so upset. You know when you're angry, they're like, I just want to finish and go. And when I was done, I felt nothing. Till it was time to sleep. Ooh, I couldn't sleep. It, it was like there were needles in my eyes. Right? And so, there's nothing I didn't do. I used anointing oil. I used water. I first of all thought it was an attack from the devil. So as I was praying that every attack, the Holy Ghost said, when you were welding without glasses, what did you think would happen? The people that said you should wear glasses, do you think you don't have sense? So, I stopped praying because I knew there was no hope for me there. You know when God, God keeps quiet, he says, this one, you brought it on yourself, you must go through it. Uh, that was my situation. But the next evening, I was better. So now, I, I was just imagining how used to that pain these welders must be to just go with it. You just sleep in the night, and your eyes are like, it's like they're using needles, to, and you think that's a good night rest. 
That's what now constitutes a good night rest for some people. And there are many people like that. In the physical, you get so used to certain ailments that it just becomes your normal lifestyle. And it is the same way in the spirit for many people. Many Christians don't know what a normal Christian life should look like. Many, I'm telling you, it is, it is the truth that in our day and time, normal Christianity has been so watered down that when we see a person who is living a normal Christian life, we label them fanatics, bigots, overzealous, spiricoco. We label them those names. Normal Christian life. I'm talking about what is just the bare minimum. And so allow me to reintroduce to you what normal Christianity should look like. Because if Adam's story is to be believed, then it is possible for a man to be dead and still be walking up and down. In Genesis chapter 2 from verse 16 to 17, the Lord said to Adam and Eve, of the tree in the center of the garden, you must not eat. Because if you eat it, the day you eat it, you will surely die. Is that correct? That means the day Adam and Eve ate of that tree, they died. But they were still walking around, looking alive. Is that true? But they were dead. They were dead. Many Christians don't understand this. That you as a Christian can be regressing. Listen, let me tell you something. There is no Christian that just woke up one day, the day before you were walking in the spirit full of the Holy Ghost, living a normal Christian life, and then the next day you just woke up and decided you are not following God again. It never happens that way. If you ever see anyone who has gotten to that place that many of us so very much dread to get to, then it was a journey. That's the destination. And many of us are on the same journey. Some things baffle me. You know what baffle means? Like surprise, not annoy. Because many people think baffle means annoy. Some things surprise me. When a, when a person comes past, I don't know what the problem is. I, I don't know. I've not been prayerful lately. Uh, okay. Do you discipline yourself to pray? No. Why are you surprised that you are not prayerful? Like, I don't understand. Were you expecting that to just come on you? There is nobody that is prayerful that does not know why they are prayerful. That, ah, I just woke up suddenly and I just became prayerful. No. <laughs> As you will quickly learn, you know, during the course of this teaching, there are certain experiences you have that are natural products of the choices you've made. Do you understand? There's no amount of fasting or prayer to change it that will change it. If you don't, listen, let me tell you something. I have restarted um, healthy punishment, that's Jimmy, for like the 30th time. This will be the last time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And some of you are laughing at me. You, you are, you've been making, the, you, I'm better than you. At least since the beginning of the year, you said this year I will go to the gym. I will, you have not gone. At least I've started again. <laughs> now, no matter how many times, no matter how bad you want, you know we always make an excuse. We say I'm fat because in my family we have thick bones. 
I'm calling you out. It's a lie. You are fat because you eat unhealthily. Yes. I can say it because I'm fat. It's not body shaming. I'm fat. I'm, I'm body shaming myself as well. <laughs> Good. You see, I'm fat because we have big bones. I'm fat because I have a slow metabolism. Mm. There is no excuse. Nothing will excuse you from your choices. You will bear the consequences. If you see, if you, listen, it will never so happen that if you see a person who is obese, like, you know, you know, very fat, extremely fat, you now say, ah, why is this person extremely fat? What could have happened? No, we all know what happened. I know it's a very, some people don't want to laugh because like, hmm. We all know what happened. Is that correct? We all know what happened. Let me tell you, the first thing about your normal Christian life that you need to learn is this. Normal is never automatic. Normal is never automatic. Raise your hand if you have a vehicle or you drive a vehicle. Raise your hand. Raise it above your head. Be proud of yourself. Uh, okay, good. Put your hands down. If you drive or you have a vehicle, there is a normal way that vehicle is to operate. This morning, Pastor Jason and I came for setup, and then as we were driving back home, I started to hear a sound. If you drive cars, suddenly your ears will be very tuned. Once you just start hearing one new sound, say, what's that? Pastor Jason that was driving the car didn't hear the sound. Well, it's my car, and every sound is expensive. <laughs> so I started hearing what I said, ah, what's that? So apparently what I was hearing was the sound of the water in the radiator boiling. Yes, I heard it. So I looked at the engine thermostat, and it was overheating. So I said, the engine is overheating. When we get to the house, we'll cool the car down and pour water in the radiator. Right? Now, the car was designed to operate normally with water in the radiator. But if you don't pay attention to that water, it will dry up at some point and the car will spoil. The normal operation of the car requires water to be in the radiator. But it's not automatic. Water must be put there by somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? Good. Normal is never automatic. It's never This is why we must be intentional about our Christian growth. Uh, listen, many of us delegate Christian growth subconsciously. We delegate it to different things, the church you go to. Now, while I agree that the church you go to must be a part of your Christian growth, you can't delegate your Christian growth to your church. You must be actively involved in your growth. Do you hear what I'm saying? In fact, it is often said that the only thing that is automatic in life is death. Everything, if left, will die a natural death. That's the only thing. You see growth? If you do not nurture growth, you will die. Like, that's the way it is. What do you need to do to be healthy? You need to eat right. You need to walk out at certain, at this age, you need to be walking out. Whether you eat right and you are fat. You know, let me just say this. Even if you are not fat, please walk out. Walk out. Try. So whether you eat right, 
or not, you need to work out at this age if you are going to be healthy. What do you need to do to die? Nothing. If you eat unhealthy, you will die. If you don't eat, you will die. If you just sleep, you will die. If you don't sleep, you will die. It's automatic. Just do nothing. You are going to get there eventually. Even with the healthy eating, you will still die. Eventually, later in life, when you are older, say amen. Ah, but you will die. It's automatic. But if you must grow, ah, you must be intentional about it. Don't delegate your spiritual growth. Some people delegate spiritual growth to meetings. Meetings are an important part of your growth. But you can't delegate your spiritual growth to those things. If you're not doing it privately at home, those things have no, they have nothing to consolidate. Do you understand? They're supposed to be complementary or supplementary, rather. Do you get what I'm saying? It, 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 there are some, Kai, God will help all of us in this generation. Some people, they will tell you to take fruits. You say no. Instead of taking fruits, I will go and lick vitamin C. It was supposed to be a supplement. Right? It's supposed to supplement what you are already eating. Think of your spiritual life like that. The meetings, the programs are supposed to supplement a devotion culture that is already healthy. If there is no healthy devotion culture, those programs will now become a problem. Are you with me? So don't delegate your spiritual growth out. Normal is not automatic. Seek for normalcy in your Christian life and be active about it. Because maybe you don't realize it. The impact of negative choices oftentimes lasts longer than we think they would. Adam made one mistake. Ate of the tree that God said he should not eat of. And it took 4,000 years to rectify it. 4,000, that is between Adam and Jesus. 4,000 years to rectify it. The law was given, the Red Sea was parted, the Israelites were sold into slavery. 4,000 years to rectify one mistake. Many of us don't realize that some of our mistakes, some of our negative choices, some of our careless choices have adverse effects, not just on us, but on generations to come. What would you tell your children when they are living in a world that is fallen and it is there, everything is falling apart and you did not introduce them to proper devotion? What will you tell them? What excuse do you have? What excuse do you have? Say normal is not automatic. Number two, normal is spiritual. Normal is spiritual. Say, I am naturally supernatural. Say it again. I am naturally supernatural. Say it one more time. I am naturally supernatural. Normal is spiritual. Now, some people say you are a spirit that has a body and lives in a, that has a soul and lives 
in a body. I think that's, that definition is a little bit, it's not complete. I think the right thing to say is that you are an agreement of your spirit, your soul, and your body. In fact, the soul is very difficult to describe, right? Um, when we did training the human spirit, many of you would have noticed that it was difficult to draw the line between soul and spirit, and sometimes soul and body, because they would say the soul is the seat of the emotions. Is that correct? But many of your emotions are triggered by hormones. Is that correct? Hormones dwell in the body, right? And that's because the soul is just necessarily a bridge between the spirit and the body. And so the soul will have spiritual attributes as well as bodily attributes. Are, are you with me? So when you go to heaven, it's not two different people, your soul and your spirit, that would appear before God. Actually, it's your spirit and your soul together that would appear before God. Or what is your soul significantly is what will stand judgment. All right. Now, this is why I went through all of that conversation. There is always a war between the spirit and the body for control of the soul. Especially for the man who is born again. For the man who isn't, there is no war. Because the spirit is dead because of sin. Do you remember Romans chapter 7? The spirit is dead because of sin. The man who isn't born again, his spirit is dead. He's not alive. He's not quickened. The man who is born again, however, his spirit is alive because of righteousness, because of the spirit. Say, my spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, this is the important thing to note. The body, the flesh is still under the subjection of sin. Do you understand? It, it is in your members. It's in your flesh. Your emotions are trained for sin. Do you get it? And this is why the world you live in is saturated with sinfulness. Are you with me? Are you with me? So, your flesh is more likely to give in to sin than otherwise. Are you with me? Let me give you certain examples that would make you understand what I'm saying. Maybe a little bit relatable. Have you discovered how easy it is to learn a secular song? I'm not talking about secular song that is not immoral. You know, there are secular songs that are good. Like, um, How Are You, My Friend? Good song. Okay to be sung, right? But have you realized how easy it is to pick up songs that you never sat down to learn ever in your life. Have you realized how easy it is? But when it's a gospel song, it doesn't matter how many times that song is put in front of you. It's always difficult to learn it. You may even go and read the lyrics. Say, I love this song. You read the lyrics from top to bottom. You cram it. Say, this is where they said here. This is what they said here. They played the song. That's scattered. <laughs> because the flesh is more prone to sin. That's the truth. Many things. Why is it that in our time, negative news sells faster than positive news? Why is it that you may see a movie and you will see one part of the movie 
Come on. <laughs> there are some movies, when the movie comes out, Christian Twitter, Christian people make it a point of duty to come on Twitter and say, this movie is bad. Don't watch it if you're a good Christian and you want to keep yourself. Now raise your hand. If from that moment, that's the only thing you want to watch. Raise your hand. Raise your hand above your head. You are normal. It's okay. It's fine. It's a natural experience. Because the flesh is prone to evil. Do you understand? The flesh is prone to evil. <laughs> so Galatians chapter 5 says, the spirit wars against the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. Each one warring against the other so that you will not do what you want to do. You are good. Your, your spirit is good. Do you know how we know? Because when you eventually give in to the flesh, you start feeling bad. Do you understand? Oh, you are good. But you must learn to live from the spirit as opposed to living from the flesh. In fact, it is your normal makeup to live from the spirit, not from the flesh. Say, it is my normal makeup. Say it out loud. It is my normal makeup to live from the spirit and not the flesh. One of, one of the ways you will know what is normal, normal Christian life, what was meant to be normal, is when you see the way angels interacted with people in the Bible. You know, angels don't understand humans. They don't understand your, your, your doubts every now and again. An angel appeared before Zechariah. He said, um, you, will, you will give birth to a son. His name will be John the Baptist. Zechariah is 75 years old. His wife is probably equally as old because it would be weird if he's a 75-year-old man married to a woman younger than 45. We agree that that's weird, right? Because when did they marry? So she's equally old, probably past menopause. So now, please, oh, is the natural question not sir? Please don't be angry. I'm old. My wife is. We have passed that place where we expect. We expected the time came. We did, we stopped expecting. We have stopped because it's not normal to expect anymore. So how can these things be? And then the angel immediately got angry. I am Gabriel. I stand before God. I say you will have a son. You're asking me how. Because you have doubted, you will be dumb until, it's, until the sun comes. Sir, will you calm down? It's a, it's a simple question I asked you. How will it be? <laughs> they don't understand. It's the truth. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. He stands before 500. He's speaking to them. And suddenly, before their very eyes, he starts to levitate. Now, please, please. I know we believe in the supernatural law. In fact, we believe in Jesus die. But he starts to levitate, like literally just floats. And he keeps floating like that till he gets into the heavens. Then everybody is marveling like, wow, mad. And then these angels stand and they look, why are you marveling? That's their question. Why, why, don't you know that the same way he ascended is the way he would. Will you calm down? 
They are naturally supernatural. Do you understand? Listen, the plane you live from will determine your restrictions in life. They are naturally supernatural. <laughs> Mary is sitting on her own. She's probably in the kitchen cooking, doing her own thing. Nobody sent her. She's just an angel appears, healings. She's surprised. Says, don't be afraid. No, I'll be afraid. It just appeared out of nowhere. And then he says, you will give birth to... God has found favor. So that holy thing you will bear, he will be the son of God. And then Mary says, please. Now, you need to understand. The angel wasn't telling Mary that you are going to get pregnant later. The, the tense the angel spoke with is, you are pregnant. I've just come to tell you that you are currently pregnant. There's something growing inside your womb now. That thing is going to be the son of God. Be, be where? <laughs> so now Mary is confused. I have not been with a man before. Abby, is there a new way to get pregnant? You know that now, now it's easier to believe because it has happened to Mary. It had never happened before. And you need to understand that Mary was just a normal, regular Israelite woman, girl. It's not like she had a special type of prayer life. Or she was not even a prophet. So she didn't have all those visions and her first manifestation, spiritual encounter, was with that angel. That's the first time ever. And the first thing you are telling me is that I'm pregnant. For who? Who am I pregnant for? Tell me. And then the angel says, then the power of the highest will overshadow you. And that, is that an explanation? Think about it very carefully now. So, uh, Lady Bosola is in the kitchen. An angel will now appear and say, you are pregnant. How? The Holy Ghost will overshadow you. How is that an explanation for me being pregnant? Is that how people get pregnant? They don't have time. There was another, I can go on and on and on. Another time, this, uh, the Israelites were going. So the Lord called Moses. You know it's a big deal when the Lord calls you to give you a disclaimer. He says, see, I've sent an angel to go before you as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Please, don't annoy him. Because he has my, anything he does is on you. It's not on me. Go and read your Bible. The Lord actually told Moses, see that you do not anger him because he has my word. Anything the angel does to you is not me that sent him. But they have their own prerogative. They don't understand the way we behave. Do you understand? The limitations of the flesh are strange to them. So when an angel tells you at 75, you would bear a son, you are thinking biology. The angel is insulted by your thoughts. How dare you? In fact, you can even see it in the way the prophets behaved. Especially those ones that had deep encounters with God. That you call the economic advisor of a kingdom and tell him by this time tomorrow, one dollar is how much today? How many people know? How much is one dollar today? 800. So someone, just imagine, I stand on, I know you believe in me as your pastor. But I just stand on the altar and I say, by this time tomorrow, Dollar is 800 today. By this time tomorrow, it will be $800 to one naira. Uh-uh, pastor, calm down. <laughs> pastor, we believe in you, but calm down. <laughs> By this time tomorrow, 
something that was sold for 800 naira will be sold for one naira. And then the economic advisor said, even if, see, wait, even if God should open the portals of heaven like this, wow, and the food is literally falling from the sky, it will still not be one naira. What is it? And then the prophet got angry. Said, you doubt me. Okay, you will see it, but you will not taste of it. What did I do? I asked you a simple question. Because we are normally supernatural. Do you understand? A normal Christian life lives from a spiritual plane. Sometimes as a pastor, I want to limit some experiences. And I, sometimes I want to share some experiences. And I am worried that the people, the church may not be able to grasp it. And that in itself now starts to worry me. Listen, in the body of Christ that we exist in now, if there was a context, say, now, service begins, and as I'm preaching, a native doctor walks in, right? And he comes on stage, and we start firing things. First of all, if he fires something, you all will expect it. That ah, sometimes it's normal for them to fire things. If I do back and something comes, I say, ha, ha. <laughs> Pastor, when do you level up like this? <laughs> Right? Then the native daughter should now disappear. Me too, I now disappear. All of you will run and leave church. <laughs> when the native doctor disappeared, it's like, oh, normal, normal, normal. It's on brand for them. Why do we expect, why do we live so carnally? From the physical, why? Why do we live our lives that way? Why? When we were designed to be naturally supernatural, Why? Even the unbeliever, you need to understand this. Even the unbeliever was designed to be naturally supernatural. This is why native doctors have access to the spirit realm. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? The spirit realm is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It depends on who is accessing it and how. There are demons in the spirit realm. There are angels there too. This is why they have access to the spirit realm. Because they were designed to be naturally supernatural. It's why your unbeliever friends will have dreams and visions about things that will happen in the future and it will happen. Do you have friends like that? They are unbelievers to the core. But when they tell you, I dreamt about you, you first of all ask, is it good or bad? And if they tell you it was a good dream, subconsciously you take it like a prophecy. You start expecting it to happen. Am I saying the truth? Because we are designed to be naturally supernatural. I'm not talking about just believers now. Human beings, we are designed to live from the spirit outward. So why are you living from the flesh? Why is it the flesh that dictates every decision? Why? That's not your normal Christian life. Don't you get it? If people who are dead... Like you have an unbeliever friend who dreamt they, they got a job, the particular job, and without any reason, they were confident that I'm going to get that job. Because they had a dream. You, believer, we've taught you about visions, we've taught you about prophecy, we've taught you about angels, we've taught you everything. Yet, you have a dream, and we still need to persuade you to trust God. Why?
If you learn from your physical senses alone, you will only know little. You will be limited in the things you know. I promise you. You will be limited. Your experience, your, your experience of life will be very, very limited. Will be very limited. I know a God that is able to take a prisoner one night and turn him to the prime minister the next morning. Do you know how unseeming that is? You were a prisoner last night. Today you are the king of the land. You are the ruler of the land. The only person you report to is the pharaoh. One night. One night. So why do you doubt God? Why do you doubt the little things that God has put in your heart and he has said to you? Why? People wonder why we, we, if the days of the miracles have ceased... Look at the culture in the time that a group of people, three million in number, would look up and see a pillar of cloud. I want you to imagine it. They will see a pillar of cloud and it will start to move and they will pack everything up and follow it. Why wouldn't they see more miracles? They were supernatural in their thinking. In our time, if a pillar of cloud appeared, we would run. Am I saying the truth? We'd run. They saw a pillar of cloud. Daytime, it's cloud. As the sun sets, it turns to fire. When the sun rises, it, it becomes a cloud again. Pillar of cloud. It's in front of them. And it will move. And when it gets to where he wants them to stop, it will stop. They will know, okay, it's time to rest. They will all put their things down and rest. And they did this for 40 years. Jesus. Every day, how they ate, what they ate, was that they would wake up in the morning, go outside, has manna come. They would pick from the floor. Do you realize that there were people born in that life? That means those people that were born that way thought that that's how food is made. They were supernatural in their thinking. So it's not far-fetched when we read of fire falling from heaven. It's not far-fetched when we read of the great tales of Elijah, Elisha, Samson. It's not far-fetched. Why? They were supernatural in their thinking. Even the unbelieving kings were supernatural in their thinking. Listen, I, I taught this um, a couple of midweek services ago when I was teaching on spiritual warfare. The real battlefield is in the mind. All the financial attack, your health is attacked, all of that is an attack on your mind. When the devil can get you to stop being supernatural, stop being God-minded, he has won. He has won. Do you know how dangerous it is that you want to make such an important life decision, like where you would work. You could work there for the next 15 years, and you don't pray. You don't pray about it. You just say, ah, this one pays more than this one. I'll take this one. Now you go. Hi. We have no, this is what I was saying at the beginning. Our generation doesn't know what normal Christian lifestyle should be. You want to make an important life decision like who you would marry. You don't pray about it. Listen, I'm not saying that God will pick someone for you. Most times he doesn't. But I'm saying that he must pick someone with you. 
That choice, the two of you must make it together. And you will stay frozen in one spot if you've not heard him say anything. Praise the Lord. Our time is almost up. Things to watch out for. Vital signs to look out for. Vital signs to look out for. Maybe you don't realize it. Angels still deal with people in our time. There are people that still have angelic encounters frequently. Oh, I still have them frequently. I mean, I'm talking as recently as this morning, how I woke up this morning. I set an alarm on my phone. My wife set an alarm on her phone. My phone was going to die when I was going to bed. So I knew my phone was on 3% when I was going to sleep. And my phone battery dies quickly. I knew it was going to die. So she set an alarm on her phone. I don't usually hear it. Now, this is what happened. We set an alarm for, was it 5.30? 6. Good. We set an alarm for 6 a.m. And I woke up by 6 o'clock. I was hearing, no, I woke up by 5.50, 5.50 something. I know because I woke up and checked my wife's phone. And I woke up to the sound of an alarm. When I woke up, I checked my phone. It was dead. So there was no alarm ringing from my phone. I checked my wife's phone. It wasn't six yet, so there was no alarm ringing from hers. So what woke me up? I said, ah, nice one. So people have started me making the sound of alarm now. Because when I was going to bed, I just told God I wanted to wake up and pray and prepare for sermon, um, prepare for service, prepare my sermon notes, um, go through it again. And so he woke me up, and it happens all too frequently in my life. Do you know the funny thing? Because we have a generation that is not driven by supernatural thinking, somebody will now start trying to explain it out. That it's probably that your alarm, because your phone was going off, it now rang before. Is that not a miracle in itself? You told the phone, wake me up by six. The phone is going off. The phone will now somehow develop intuition and say, hmm, if I die now. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law of verse 19. It says, um, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Next verse. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, 21. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such of the like, and such like of the which I tell you before, and I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and he goes on and on and on, and he ends by saying, against such there is no law. Listen. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He said, because the flesh was against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, each one warring against the other, that you will not do what you want. Which means that if there is a prevalent lifestyle that I am seeing in my life right now, it is a product of the one I chose to walk in. 
Does it make sense? Let me become practical. There are certain things you see in your life that, make, that should make you question, am I okay? Do you hear me? I'm serious. Certain things you see in your life that should make you question, am I okay? It should make you worried. And the fact that you are not worried is worrisome. You are normally a calm person. You are normally a gentle person. But suddenly, little things, you flare up. Little things. There's anger in your heart. Not just, everybody gets angry. But you know, outbursts of anger that we experience. Especially if you live in Lagos State and you drive here. Outburst, normal, that one is normal. Right? But you are angry, you stay angry. The sun goes down on your anger. Sometimes the anger becomes rage. You don't know what you are doing. You know there's, there's such a thing as rage. Where the person gets blinded by the anger and they start acting out. If that ever happens to you, you ought, you ought to steal yourself and say, am I okay? Is something wrong with me? And I'm not asking it in, in an am I okay mentally will. No, I'm, I'm asking, am I okay spiritually? Is something wrong with me spiritually? Like, am I healthy? Is my spirit okay? Because for me not to have a connection to my spirit that can tame this anger when it comes, ah, something is wrong. That, that connection is faulty. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? L listen, like I said, there are symptoms you see. It's just like when I was speaking a few seconds ago, you suddenly heard a loud sound. Boom! Everything went off. The media team didn't just sit down there. Uh, uh, why is the mic? No. There's something wrong you need to diagnose. You need to troubleshoot. Do you understand what I'm saying? In your life, there are certain things you see in your actions, in the way you, in the decisions you make. When you start to see lust, envy, and strife, that you say, am I okay? I get that we are tempted every day, especially with sexual sins and sexual lust. But it gets to a level where, uh -uh, this one is getting too much. Is everything okay? Then you now start diagnosing. You know, so for instance, if, 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 you, if you cook, raise your hand. Raise your hand above your head. Be proud of yourself. It's a very good skill. If you don't cook, go and learn how to cook. <laughs> go and learn how to cook. It's a survival skill. Now, if you cook, when you finished your concoction, especially those of, those of us that cook with the voice of our ancestors in our ears, when you're pouring the salt, they say, stop now. You say, ah, thank you, sensei. Then you stop. When you finished your concoction, you taste it. Why are you tasting it? Diagnosis. You taste it. What is missing? Salt. Okay. If your tongue is not working because that happens, you will call somebody and say, please come. My tongue is not working again. Help me to taste this thing. What is missing? Is, is that correct? You diagnose. When you begin to notice that some things are not working the way they ought to, you are now flaring up anyhow. There's now this jealousy. You see somebody online, your friend, doing well. Jealousy just rises from within you. Say, ah, something is wrong. Now you now ask, how's my prayer life? Have I been praying? I've been praying now. What's wrong? My study culture is retreat I need. I just need to go somewhere for like two days. 
let me just sit down. Let someone just be teaching me. I'll just be hearing them. I'll be receiving God's word and pray with them. And when I come back, I'll be okay. Yes, you need that. You know how sometimes you work and work and you are burnt out and you say, I need a vacation. Your spirit needs that too sometimes. Some Christians, you say, if I don't go for vacation this year, I'm dying. From the beginning of the year, you start saving for that vacation. Ah, you start announcing in the office that in October, I'm taking leave for three weeks. I don't care whether the office is folding, whether the sky is falling. This leave, I will take it. I will leave. But your spirit does not get the same amount of care and attention that you give to your mind. You don't get it. Your mind is influenced by the spirit or by the flesh. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? So the care and attention, if you really want to care for your mind, you must care for the spirit. Do you hear me? If you truly want to care for your mind, you must care for your spirit. Let me tell you something else that's very interesting. Listen, I know that depression is a thing in our time. It's a thing. And I, I know what it feels like. I know. But there are two aspects to depression. There is the part that comes from the flesh. It is valid. I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about it sinfully now. I'm talking about the pressures of this life. But a quick way to help yourself out of it is to tend to the spirits. Listen, hear me. Tend to your spirit. It will help you. It will help you. The joy of the Holy Ghost is greater than any emotion. I can tell you for a fact. It's greater than any emotion. It's greater than any emotion. It's greater than any emotion. Tend to your spirit. Pray till it comes out. Listen, I'm telling you it's a thing. You can pray and be so full of the Holy Ghost. Things are happening. Everything is going upside down. But the joy will just come from within. That's how we are meant to live. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. We're not meant to live on motivation. Say, don't worry. You're almost there. This too shall pass. That's not how God designed us to live life. You will get burnt out. I, 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 see, is there a point where motivation is no longer motivating you? When they come and tell you that you'll be alright, to say you are not sure, stop telling, stop making promises you can't keep. But if you, by the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the flesh. Listen, the Spirit is greater than the flesh. I'm telling you something. So walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you start to notice error in your life, probe, where is this thing coming from? Don't say, ah, that's where I am now. That's the new one that's happening now. Where is it coming from? Number one is what? Error. When you start to see the works of the flesh manifest, in your life. Listen, many of you don't realize it. If you have had any form of Christian growth in your life before, you don't immediately backslide. There's a reason why they call it backsliding. You started moving back slowly and gradually. It was a consistent journey till you got to where you were. First, you started considering the possibility of sleeping with your crush. Ah, it would be nice. So. Then, you now sent a hello big head. Yeah, I know, I know how you people text. Hey, big head. From there, boom. Say, Pastor, I don't know what came over me. Nothing came over you. Nothing. Absolutely nothing came over you. You walked your way there. 
you walked your way there. Walk your way back. <laughs> I won't condemn you, me. I'll be the last person to condemn you. Why should I? We are all human. But I won't pamper you. I will tell you with your, you messed up, you know, but uh, uh, walk your way back. <laughs> walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you are used to walking in the spirit, it will become easier to do. Somebody submits something to you, they give you news that is bad. Your flesh wants to just pity wallow in self-pity, start crying anyhow, your spirits break out in tongues. Just It will come out of you. Just a When you see, hey God, don't just be a strong person. You say you are very strong and your own strength is coming from you want to form hard guy. No. There is a strength that comes from the spirit. Do you understand? People don't understand it. Why is everything going wrong and you still seem like you are okay? It's the Holy Ghost. It's in me. I know what I'm saying. It's, it's the Holy Ghost. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Number two, spiritual devotion. That's another thing to look out for. Spiritual devotion. When suddenly 10 minutes prayer has become an uphill task, Pack your bags and go and look for retreats. Do you hear what I'm saying? You go a full week. One week is too much. You go three days. That's still too much. One day you didn't pray. Not even, not even a small session of Father have mercy. One day you didn't pray. The whole day passed. No prayer. Ah, something is wrong. It's true. Something is wrong. Listen, I get it that prayer will always require discipline. But if you are always averse to prayer, you are not healthy. Do you hear what I'm saying? You do realize that one of the symptoms your doctor looks out for is appetite and the loss of it. If you have loss of appetite, you are not healthy. If you are always, it is time to pray, and you are always like, oh, every time you are not healthy. Listen, I know, I know what it is like to just want to sleep and it's time to pray. So you, now you have to discipline yourself to pray. Mm, I get that. But if you have never experienced delight in prayer, you're not healthy. That is, we say it is time to pray. And you're like, all right, let us pray. Let us pray. I've been looking forward to this one. At least normally, but this time I, I actually want to pray. You're not healthy. Your spiritual devotion must be like it must be in check. It must be there. It must be constant, steady. And there are three things that make up your spiritual devotion. There is prayer, there is a study of the word, and there is fellowship. And the three of them are equally important. If you don't study, you will not pray right. If you don't pray, your study will not mean anything. If you don't have fellowship, it doesn't matter how much you pray and study on your own, the devil will get you. Well. So number two is what? Spiritual devotion. You pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. If you want, listen, let me tell you, we naturally overcompensate for things. 
As I'm speaking now, you are saying in your mind, I, I want to, I'm going to work on my prayer life. I'm going to work on my prayer life. Can I tell you the truth? If you do not right now make a decision, I will pray every day for so so, so number of times or no, number of minutes or number of hours. I will pray every day from this time to this time or this time to this time. If you do not make that decision, you won't pray. You won't pray. You, you have, have, you know, there's a way we usually trust ourselves that don't worry, she be upset work me. I know myself, if I say I will do something, I will do something. You won't do it. You're lying. <laughs> you won't pray. Do you hear what I'm saying? Study as well. There are certain things that come easy to men of prayer. It's easier to comfort a man of prayer in times of trouble. It's easier. It's easier. And then number three, I learned this one from my pastor. And it's very profound. It's called, um, or number three is this, the release of faith becomes difficult. The release of faith becomes difficult. When it becomes difficult to trust God for things. You are not healthy. I'm telling you, when it becomes difficult to see the goodness of God, you are not healthy. One profound story from the Bible is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Remember that story? How, how many years did she have that issue of blood? Twelve years, the Bible says. And the Bible says she heard that Jesus was passing and she said to herself, nobody psyched her. Do you know how many places she must have gone to in those twelve years? And yet she heard Jesus was passing and she got up. Some of us, it's two times you prayed, two times. And it seemed like nothing happened, so you said, forget about it. Something is wrong. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, something is wrong. You need to probe. Something is wrong. It's not healthy. That's not a healthy way to live. That's not a healthy way to live. Something is wrong. When it becomes difficult to trust the goodness of God, something is wrong. When, in spite of uncertainty, you can no longer say, see, I know that God has good plans towards me, so I will just trust good. Something is wrong. And how you rectify that thing, interestingly, is prayer. Because when you pray, you are exposed to the possibilities of the Spirit. I know what I'm telling you. When you pray, listen, have you ever taken a prayer to God? You were praying, maybe something is happening and you just take it to God in prayers. Not necessarily, um, God did not necessarily tell you, okay, I will solve this problem tomorrow. But when you finished the prayer, you just felt lighter. Just felt like, okay, God is doing something about this. Raise your hand if that has ever happened to you before. So something is actually wrong if the release of faith becomes difficult. God tells you, I will, do so, I will do so, so, so in your life. And you are no longer open to believe it. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Or the man of God from the stage declares, the Lord says he's doing X, Y, Z in this season. And we are, no longer open in, we are no longer in a position where we would say, I believe that God is doing that in my life as well. 
You, don't, you might not see it immediately, but something is definitely wrong. I want to give us time to pray this morning. There's a reason why I started this um, um, sermon with the prayer session we had. And I want us, now that you know this, to take some more time to pray. Because you don't understand it. Maybe, maybe you don't get it. The world you live in is not designed to favor your growth. If anything, it is designed to kill it. It is designed to kill it. There are temptations left and right. If the temptations are not coming at you, the trials are coming. I remember when I went for industrial training, IT. Now, I have a principle. Whenever I get into a new office, when I used to, you know, work secular jobs, I would establish myself as a pastor in that place. If it means coming out and praying visibly for people to see me so that you won't, I don't want unnecessary interactions. So, but there was this lady. She didn't let, she, oh God, Jesus. She didn't live my life alone. So one day she came to the car. We, we had a staff bus we used to follow. She would keep seats for me. And it was unfortunate because that staff bus, if they don't keep seats for you, you will not get seats. You will stand. You will stand. And if the standing is filled, find your way home. But she will go very early and keep seats. Then I will come. Then she will fill my ear with all manner of nonsense. So one day she, she was talking, talking. And when I'm talking nonsense, it's temptation. So I told her, I'm a pastor. And she said, hey, my father is a pastor too. I said, ah. <laughs> I said, ah, this one, I must run from this person. I started avoiding, ah. So because of her, I would, I would borrow money. And I, I was a broke person. It was IT. I didn't have money. I would borrow money to enter bus to go to the office. I would not enter staff bus. So she would get to the office and see me at the office. Ah, you didn't follow staff bus. I said, ah, I missed it. I didn't miss it. I left before the staff bus. But I, The world we live in is designed, ah, is designed to stifle your growth. It's designed to stifle your growth. It is, it is, it is. Your flesh hates anything spiritual. It hates it. It hates anything spiritual. You and your people, you can argue football for three hours straight, six hours straight. Argue, you're arguing football like this. Uh, we bought this person. Who did you buy? Which money did you give? We bought this person. We bought this person. We brought. You are arguing football straight. Oh yeah, let us pray 30 minutes. Ah! That's when you now remember that you have things to do. You open your phone. You hold your phone like this. And you open one of those apps. And you scroll. First scroll. Second scroll. By the time you check the time, you have gone two hours, one hour. You have just been scrolling like this. Do you ever just catch yourself? Like, you are just going from video to video, then at some point you just catch that. What am I doing? How long have I been here? Does it ever happen to you? Okay, that same phone, there's a Bible on that phone. Open it and read it for 10 minutes. It's hard work. You downloaded the Bible on your phone because you wanted to get serious, but see, today, you have not opened it. The world you live in is designed to pull down your growth. You're not going to grow. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
there are decisions you must make. When walking in the spirit, there are parts of that. There are some decisions you must make. There are some friends that as long as they are your friends, you can't grow. Yes, sir. Listen, it's not because it's not because they are bad themselves. Though. But whenever you want to do spiritual things around them, they always give off the vibe that you are doing too much. It's in the little things. They won't say anything. They won't stop you from praying. But when you say, I want to go and pray, there's one look or smirk. Oh, okay. That they give you. That just makes you feel like, well, maybe I'm doing too much. See, let me tell you, you will never grow. Maybe we don't get it. You are, you are, you are a makeup of the people you associate with. That's why fellowship is important though. It's important. I was counseling a couple. They were having some fights. I, I called one of them aside. I was just talking, you know, sometimes I, that's why when I counsel a couple, I don't like to counsel based on what the two of you told me. I like to just tell you, tell me about your relationship, just talk. As you are talking, I will find what the problem, I will always find it. So this person goes on talking, 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 and every time the person is saying, my friend said this, my friend said this, my friend, I said, hold on. This friend that is always saying this and that and this, is it the same person? So, yes, that's the problem with your relationship. That friend is the problem. Because as long as there's somebody always whispering things in your ears, you will always view your relationship through the lens of what that person has said. It won't be healthy. It won't be healthy. My friend said this, my friend said this, my friend said, my friend. I said, if you want to preserve this relationship, you will shift away from that friend. There's, in the same way, there are some friends you will shift away from. You will not necessarily cut them off. Or you just reduce interaction with them. If you want to grow spiritually. The ones that will never honor your spiritual commitments. You have been inviting them to church since thy kingdom come. They've never come. But when they have a party or a wedding to go for and you have a church event you want to go for and you tell them I have a church event they'll say our church you I mean, today is Saturday you go to church tomorrow is Sunday you will go I say you will go to church tomorrow let's go for the wedding today they don't honor your spiritual commitments if you love your life give them space i'm not saying stop being friends just learn how to deal with them accordingly you go for your party, I'll see you after the party. I'm going for my meeting. Ah, is it fight? It's not fight. Go for your party, I will go for my meeting. When we come back, we'll do summary of what we gained from the two places we went to. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What did I say number one was? What did I say number two was? And number three, listen, faith is both a gift of the Spirit and a fruit of the Spirit. If you read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see faith in the gift of the Spirit. Is that correct? When you read Galatians chapter 5, you see faith as part of the fruit of the Spirit. It tells you something. Faith is something that interacting with the Spirit makes available. So, faith is not mental motivation. I will trust God now. No. Without God, you can't have faith. Put up Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. 
Let's start from verse 8. This is the last scripture we'll read and then we'll pray. We must pray. Everybody read together, want to go. For by grace are you saved and through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It is what? Of course, he says salvation came by grace. That's already a gift. Grace is benevolence. So when he says, and that not of yourself, it's not the grace he's referring to, it's the faith. How can they believe if the word is not preached? How can the word um, be preached if, they, if someone hasn't been sent? So how did you get saved? God sent someone with his word to you. And in the word was the faith to believe. It's either you accept that faith or you refuse it. Are you with me? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Are we together? So if the word of God came, it came with faith. Do you hear? Then we now receive that faith. That's why the scripture exists. If you hear the voice of the Lord today, harden not your hearts. Because it is easier to believe God than it is to disbelieve him. It will take an intentional hardening of the heart to be in opposition to God. So faith is a work of the spirit. So, if you are finding it difficult to have faith, the problem is not that you don't have faith. The problem is that there is something missing somewhere. Your interactions with the Spirit have been limited. Because let me tell you something that you may not realize. When you interact with the Spirit, you will start to think like He does. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will start to undertake projects that normally when people think about it from a natural standpoint, they're like, you are very crazy. You are very crazy. When we were looking for a new space, we we're looking for this space. I, I heard the rent for this place. You can ask the pastors, we refuse to take this place. When we heard the rent, they said, ah, it's too much. It's almost times two of what we used to pay before. No, what, what is almost? It is times two of what we used to pay before. We're at Equa. I said, I'm not taking it. We, we said, okay, we'll just put it on the back burner and look for other places. And we looked and looked and saw more economic options. But one day I was in the parlor with my wife. I think we were praying or something. And then I had a vision. I saw myself in this space, on this stage, just like this, the way this hall looks, right? This, like this right now. I, and I saw the hall full to the back. I told my wife, I'm going to take quadrants. I said, I just saw a vision. And the vision I saw was this, this, this. And I believe God will have us take that space. And so when I called a friend, and I told the friend, we are moving to this place. And the person said, I hope the rent is better than the previous place. I laughed. I said, the rent is times two. He shouted. He said, why? I said, number one, it's the option we have. Not the only one. But number two, the Holy Ghost said, he said, hmm, okay. So I didn't know how to tell him that because I saw in my vision this type of stage, we spent almost the amount that we spent on rent to make this stage. I didn't know how to explain that because he would think I've gone crazy. That I, why do you need stage? Just stand on the floor. Everybody will see you. They will, ah. But no, when you walk with the Spirit, you would think like he does. I'm telling you. And the interesting thing is, all the resources through you, he made available. He made available. 
Some of you, I started getting testimonies and stories from some of you. When we said, okay, give sacrificially. Do you know the interesting thing? In, we moved here June, right? No, this is July. We moved here July. Um, at the end of June, at the end of, was it June? April. At the end of April, or May rather, I announced we're going to give sacrificially in the month of June. Do you remember that? Now, at the time I was announcing that, there was no reason to announce it. And if you know me, you will know that I am the last person to just come and make people give unnecessary amounts of money for nothing. I was preaching in the Abuja church. I was wrapping up the Abuja meeting when the Holy Ghost said, across your churches, tell everybody to give sacrificially next month. So I said, okay. Because I always obey when he says. So I announced it in the Abuja church. I told them PSK will tell you how to go about it. I came back to the Lagos church. I said, I announced this in the Abuja church. The Holy Ghost said, I shall announce it here. I announced it. Then people started getting confirmations. The Holy Ghost said, I should give this amount. The Holy Ghost said, I should partner with this amount. And listen, I've heard so many stories of I gave everything or I gave almost everything. And since that time, I haven't called anybody for anything. But almost everything I gave has come back. And again, please bear in mind, in this church, we don't give because if we give, it will come back to us. But I've often told you, there's a reward for giving. And when the, when the Lord asks you to give like that, he is not unfaithful to forget your labor of love. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's the Holy Ghost that will help you think on the same frequency with him. Because it is absolute madness to work for 30 days, then they will pay you a salary. You carry that full salary and give it to church. Let me tell you now for free, it's madness. If God did not say you should do it, don't do it. But when you are in sync with the Holy Ghost and he shows you his plans, he shows you his vision, you will give everything. If you are struggling to work for God, check your devotion. I'm telling you, there are telltale signs. There are telltale signs. You're not worried about the gospel. There's no worry about people who are perishing. You see your colleague, your friend, your brother, who is not a believer. You interact with them every day. It does not worry you. It doesn't prick your heart. Something is wrong somewhere. Because even if you are not worried, the Holy Ghost will always nudge you. Talk to him. Go and talk to him now. Say something to him. Okay, invite him out for lunch. At least use that one to trap him. Stand up, let us pray. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.